surely not analysis or actual reflection, accounts for an excuse based simply on a woman's sex and not on what she does or is capable of doing. Welcome to Man Unmade, a podcast normalizing the authority and power of women's voices in a man's ear. You know, can we have a conversation where you say everything you need to say and I literally close my lips and only listen to you without starting to think about how I'm going to respond and defend myself or make my point? Michelle Burford is a best-selling author and co-writer, a founding editor of The Oprah Magazine. Oprah, we can stop there, right? Oh, no, no. She's a journalist an incredible listener, and as the New York Times recently wrote, a story architect. She's written books with Olympic gold medalist Simone Biles, multi-Grammy winner Alicia Keys, and one of the most accomplished actresses of the last 70 years, Cicely Tyson. And she also wrote with an absolute idiot carpenter who had and still has no idea what he's doing even while he does it on TV. Yeah, me. In today's episode of Man Unmade, I get to speak with Michelle, my friend, learn more about how she got started and what her journey looks like today. For a living, she listens to others tell their stories and then walks with them through the process of putting it all down on paper. And today, we get to listen to her. And that's a really good thing. Man Unmade, once again, uh, we are back in the podcast and today is a special day that I've been looking forward to ever since this idea popped into my very small brain, I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, but it was a big idea and it was an idea that I immediately had to take um, to someone that I know and love and trust and have worked with and uh, who knows more about me than almost anybody on the planet. <laughs> I was like, not anybody, but. Yeah, not anybody, but not almost. Kelly. Okay. That's right, that's right. Michelle Burford uh, is with us today. Uh, thank you, Michelle, for being no, it's here. It's my pleasure. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Good. I'm I'm doing well. I can hear the New York City sirens in the oh, background. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I tried to make a quiet space for us. But nope, okay. that's okay. The real life, <laughs> okay. it doesn't matter. You do what you got to do. Keep yeah. the window open, do your thing. Um, this is super, super exciting. So let's go into a quick background of why this is obviously so exciting. Um, I've already mentioned this, but uh, um, before you came on, but you are a an, an author, a co-author, a ghostwriter, you know, an editor, all these different things. You've written all these amazing books um, and with some incredible people. And for whatever reason, you agreed to write with me <laughs> on my book. Reason. A very good uh, reason. Okay. He's sitting right here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, agree, you agreed to write uh, Handcrafted, although it was going to be called Journeyman. That's right. That's that, right. I forgot that. that. Yes. The, the little known fact. Yes. Um, and uh, but you agreed to write that with me and uh, and to and to be by my side through that entire thing. And um, I don't know if you have this instance or this experience with everybody else, um, but I mean, we just became friends, and sure. I consider you just 
my friend. And like, literally, if there's something going on, I just text you. I'll ask you. I'm on an airplane. Hey, there's someone with your book, um, reading your book that you just wrote with Alicia Keys. Hello. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, New York Times bestseller. Um, and, and when this podcast thing came into my mind as an idea, I talked to my wife and I talked to Lisa, of course, but then it was, okay, I've got to call Michelle. Oh, I'm glad you feel that way. I'm glad you, you feel that way because the, the, the lines are always open. <laughs> you are absolutely the best. Um, one of the things I remember saying when, when I called you and talked about this was, I was like, hey, how are you? Where are you? I know, right? Where in the world are you? <laughs> well, I could be asking you the same thing, Clint. Where are yes. you? Where in the world are you? Yes. Waco, it, where, where are you? Right. Okay. But you had the you know? funniest response because it was in the middle of the pandemic, and which I guess we're kind of still in. But yeah, I'm still there. You, you were like, well, Clint, I'm in, I'm in New York. And you were like, I don't know if you remember this, but you were like, a lot of people assume I live in New York, but I also have like a home somewhere yeah, else. Oh yes. oh, yes. Yeah. It was, you know what? Wait, a lot of my New York friends who have places in the Hamptons, you know, yes. oh, you're still in the city. You haven't left the city. I'm like, I have one apartment. It is in New York City. I do not have anywhere else to go, okay? Nor money to buy a place outside of the city. So yes, I am still, shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not so shockingly in the city. Okay. You're like, I'm just riding it out. This yeah, is where I'm, I'm going to be. Oh my gosh. No that was vacation awesome. home anywhere else. Okay. No, no. I'm I'm at home, Clint. Where else yes. am I supposed to be? Am I not in the right place? I know. Right, right, <laughs> Should right. Should I go somewhere? Um, well, are you doing well in New York City? And, and I am. Uh, I am. Okay. Yeah. Thankfully, the, uh, the vaccine is rolling out here as well as mm-hmm. across the country. And are you in line um, for I'm that? Feeling, or? I'm, well, I'm not early in the process. I'm not, you okay. know, in any one of the, thankfully, in any one of the vulnerable groups. So uh-huh. it'll probably come, who knows, summer, who knows, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really grateful because I live alone and I don't have, you know, major exposure mm-hmm. uh, given that I'm a writer and can stay home and was already working from home. So yes. believe me when I tell you. Uh, save your compassion for the many hundreds of thousands of people around me (laughs) who have lives that were completely interrupted. I have uh, many friends with children who they're homeschooling and they're trying to juggle all that. So, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing okay. And I'm healthy and my family's healthy and all of that. Sure. (laughs) Has it felt any different for you, the pandemic? I mean, you know, because as a writer, you do spend a lot of time sort of in solitary, if if you will. How different has this kind of all felt for you? You know, it's interesting. So my day-to-day life didn't change, but suddenly I had hundreds of thousands of coworkers, others around me, Mm. who were navigating all of the things that I navigated when I first became a freelancer, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, I, I worked in an office situation and I had coworkers around me every day and there was the whole yeah. rhythm of getting up and going out and all of that. And there's a, there's a real adjustment period when, you know, the commute is from like your bed to the table. <laughs> okay. And you don't in really, slippers. you don't really have to get dressed. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so there's just, there's a, there's a, there's sort of a feeling of like, what do I do with myself now? How do I mm-hmm. set up the structures and boundaries in my day so that it mm-hmm. feels still feels like, I am as productive as I was in the workspace. So I went through all of that. I've been freelancing for 15 years now, but all of a sudden I could see, I hope I was able to help some people around me who are really reeling Mm. because that is difficult. That is difficult, you know? And, And again, I was doing it 
without children around. So imagine if you, uh, oh, yeah. you know, you don't have to imagine. Many of you don't have to imagine, okay? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like, yeah. you know, some of my uh, uh, colleagues who are also collaborative writers, mm-hmm. they are, you know, unable to actually get some of their manuscripts done because they're having to homeschool their children. So, mm. I mean, they're just, there's no... There's no juggling that. You can't sit and write a book and also homeschool a child, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, so. I listen, I totally understand. And, and uh, it's what an interesting time. I was telling my kids the other day, one of the positive things about this, and there'll be a lot of positives, there'll be a lot of negatives, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the fun things, years down the road, is we will be able to sit around a fire and tell all kinds of pandemic stories. And we can look forward to that. I mean, one day. Yeah, one day. We're not there yet. And it's going to be probably a decade or so away, a couple of decades away. But we will get there and we will reminisce on, yeah, you remember how we used to have to do this? And, you know, um, they will be tough memories, but they'll be good. And it's bringing us. I hope it's bringing some of us at least a little bit closer. So I think it, I think it has. You know, it's obviously yeah. I don't want to understate how devastating it's been for those who've lost and are still oh losing. Gosh, yeah. But at yeah. the same time, I have found in my own life that it has me because I'm indoors, uh, making mm-hmm. phone calls to friends and staying in touch in ways that maybe yeah. I was a little less consistent about previously. So there definitely yeah. has been a silver lining. Yeah, you know, sure. to it. Sure. So, yeah. Well, you mentioned kind of your freelance writing days and all that stuff. And so I, I want to go back a little bit and and give people a little bit of like a kind of like this is a snapshot of who Michelle is, where you came from, grew up in Phoenix. That's right. Correct. Good memory. Uh, th- well, thank you. I also have a piece of paper in front okay, of me. Yes. But but, <laughs> uh, but I do also remember that you have a lot of brothers and sisters. And so you're the second child of nine. That's right. right. That's right. Yes. My family still lives. My mom and dad are thankfully still alive and live back in Phoenix. Okay. Okay. And, um, you, uh, studied English at, now this is all, you know, stuff from your website, but I just want to go over this really quick. So people understand, because there's, there we'll kind of touch on this later. You stuttered, studied, uh, you didn't stutter, but, um, you could have, who knows? (laughs) That would be okay. And congratulations on, uh, overcoming that, uh, hurdle. Um, (laughs) But um, you studied English and journalism at Biola University. That's right. In That's LA. Right. Uh-huh. You studied at the Columbia Publishing Course. That's right. Later, yes. Uh, wow. Yep. Master's degree in educational psychology at Harvard University. Yes, later. Okay. Summer continuing education course in religion philosophy at Oxford That's right. University. You're charting my whole career path here. Okay. Uh, yep. Arabic lessons in Marrakesh, Morocco. Yes. One very hot summer. Yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> One very hot yes. summer. And French continuing education course at the Sorbonne in Paris. Yes, and don't test my French because that was a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know that we've ever talked about this, Michelle. What I... year were you there? Do you remember? Ah, oh, Marrakesh. So where are we? No, in, in Paris. So when Oh, were in you Paris. In... Uh, yeah. Paris would have been sometime around 2008 or so. Uh. Bummer. Okay. Yeah. Because you know wait, I live there, wait, wait. obviously. Oh, when were you living there? I don't think I knew this about you. No, okay. you you did. You you okay. you remember. That was a <laughs> Oh, that, I do. We, I do actually. Yes, yes, yes. It was in the book. Yeah. Yes, I remember. Yes, now. yeah. <laughs> yes. And the marathon and the whole thing. Yes. See, I yeah, there you yeah. go. There, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? That's okay. Hey, we're all waking up here. It's okay. It's okay. No, Pandemic Michelle, times. I, Clint tells me things like five times as I continue yeah. to forget them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I told you this. And I'm like, Yeah, oh, and you're I'm like, oh right. Uh, it was like 2003, 2004. Okay, for so us. that was pre, so we, yeah. But oh my gosh, that would have been insane if, y'all, if you had you lived there. there. Exactly. Yeah. 
Anyway, so, I mean, you have quite the pedigree, Michelle. I mean, in terms of education, the whole thing. Um, I mean, it's really, honestly, it's, it's incredible. Um, and I want to get to that in a minute, but I want to back up um, a little bit. You are the second child of nine that we talked about. Your mom and dad, um, tell me again, where? Yeah, so my mother and my stepfather raised me in Phoenix okay. and okay. they're retired now, but my mother was a homemaker and my father okay. was an aircraft engineer. Okay, okay. And, and he was your stepfather starting when? Uh, I think my parents married when I was five, five or six, okay. somewhere in there, yes. And we so he probably, really, I mean, I called him my stepfather for the sake of clarifying that, but I, in, in life, I called him dad and still do. Yes. Because he really raised me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I totally, you know that. I yes. understand that. Yes. It was the same story for me. I mean, my, yes. my dad was in my life, my biological um, father, but I lived with my mom and my stepdad. And so you just said mom and dad. And that was just kind of the way that, That's that right. went. That's right. Did, was your mom a healthy example of how, a um, a female, a woman should walk through this planet and, you know, and live this journey? She was. My was mother, I tell people all of the time that I believe that my sense of courage and adventure mm. and desire to try new things comes from my mother. She has that spark mm. and mm. had always encouraged me, you know, more than one way to skin a cat, you know, yes. get at the front of the line, try something that you haven't tried previously. And so yes. I really thank her all of the time now for even just the encouraging me when it was very unclear that I was going to be able to have a career in New York City as a writer, mm. encouraging me to go ahead and make make the move, you know, yes, just, you know, step out on faith. So, um, and she's that way herself. You know, I can yes. call my mom up as I've done. This is pre-pandemic now and uh -huh. say, you know, what do you think about meeting me in China? Because I had a friend there and I had an opportunity <laughs> to take a trip. And without hesitation, she was like, when are we going? <laughs> that's who my mom is <laughs> okay so you know like 10 weeks later you know there we are so in shanghai so that you know, is taking awesome. an over overnight train together from shanghai to beijing so that is no. who my mother is <laughs> okay and you're happy to take those trips with her which is I'm happy so to take those um, trips yeah she's become one of my favorite travel partners yeah that's amazing because i mean no doubt a lot of people cannot say that about their relationship with their parents that's true unfortunately. And so that is really, really cool. Um, with your mom, and I, and I know I'm getting right into deep stuff, but with your mom and your stepdad, but you know, as you, as you called him dad, was that a healthy view of a man and woman and how they should treat each other? Did you feel, was there equality in your parents' marriage as you as you, you grew know, up? Did you was, see that? There was, I did, there was, but what what I have come to see in my life is they had a very traditional marriage. As I said, mm -hmm. my mom was a homemaker. My yes. dad was the breadwinner. And even though yes. I've chosen a different uh, route in my life, what I've come to understand and appreciate about them is that is what they agreed to. That is what they wanted. And that mm. really worked for them. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not the path for every woman <laughs> or every man, yes. um, I think what's important is that two people come together and make a choice about yes. how uh, what that what the relationship and the expectations on that relationship will look like. So there was yes. no surprises. That that's what they both wanted, and that worked well for them. There's no mm -hmm. no one was resisting. You know, my mom wasn't resisting that she was home. My dad wasn't resisting that he was the breadwinner. Primarily, yes. I think when I see a lot of conflict in other friends' relationships now, it's because they came into that those roles without real true discussion. 
and maybe uh, understanding, a deep understanding mm-hmm. of what they both had an expectation of before, yes. they, before they married. So I think it really worked well for my, my parents and still does. They're still married uh, 45 years later. You know? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 Kelly and I talk about that a lot. Just, you know, the discussion that you have to have, and it's an ongoing discussion between a husband and a wife um, or just partners in general, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, to women, to men, it doesn't matter. I mean, whatever it is, just yes. a very open dialogue because also things change. Your mom, absolutely, yeah, 20 absolutely. years down the road, she might've gone, you know what? I wanna work now outside of the home. The right. work I've been doing right. inside the home has been great and fulfilling, but now I wanna go try this. Right, right. And I think it's really important that uh, couples continue to check in with each other at every juncture because we're yes. always changing, we're evolving. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we're getting better. We're, yes, you know, discovering who we are, and we're forging ahead. And sometimes, as you do that, what you want shifts. And yes. so, I think it's important to not assume that the people in your life, and in mm-hmm. my case, even in my friendships, that I don't assume that uh, you know, if something that had been true previously is no longer true, that I don't have to voice that because mm. the person is still operating on the assumption and the dynamic that we originally had in place, right? Yes, So yes. A, yeah, I was just telling a friend last night, you know, the onus is on me, for instance, this is slightly off topic, but the onus is on me mm-hmm. to say to you honestly whether something about our discussion or something about the way we've interacted has mm-hmm. bothered you. Yes. And, and, and the onus is on me to tell you that. And I want that from you as well. Yes. And so you can be sure that if I haven't brought something up and I can be sure that if you haven't brought something up, our space is clear. No one's sort yeah. of wondering, like, is she mad? Is he mad? Is, mm-hmm. you know, are we are we in conflict here? It's like the yes. assumption is you're going to tell me if something here is bothering you. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and I think I, I'm not married, but I, I think that could work in marriages as well. You know? Oh my gosh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and I think right now we're seeing that in uh, like times a million because of everything that's going on in our world. That's right. Um, I mean, Kelly and I talk about this very often because you know there are people that we are still connected to that we've all sort of had this kind of, you know, general understanding about, you know, things and politics and religion and whatever. And, you know, now things are getting a little crazy. Yes, they are. They and are. yeah, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't think that way. This is not okay. And, and then another person's like, well, I'm actually okay with it. And you're like, whoa, wait, what? And because right. we were all kind of working on this assumption that like, this is how we all think. Exactly. Well, that's been one of the gifts of of this year of racial reckoning, at least mm-hmm. for me, is that mm-hmm. I'm having full-throated conversations with people, both those who are of the same racial background as I am, I'm African-American, right. and those who are not. I have a, you know, you know, uh, a wide array of friends with all yes. different kinds of racial backgrounds. And so, um, you know, many of the friends that I have been in relationship with for sometimes decades, mm-hmm. uh, for the first time, were really peeling back the layers of what they believe, what I believe. And sometimes those conversations can be messy, but I actually feel strongly that it's important to be in the conversation, to be in the conversation and not pretending around it. Yes. And and I actually think that, you know, especially when it comes to cross uh, cross cross-cultural and cross-racial relationships that, uh, 
you know, we should really seek those out, not because the person is of a different racial background. We pick our friends because we're drawn to them, mm-hmm. but we we should surround ourselves with people who have varying perspectives. And by doing that, you automatically are going to have, well, maybe not automatically, but, you know, you will more likely have at least people with different perspectives and hopefully people who don't look like you. Yes. And, and, and I believe that it's only when you're in conversations with people, particularly around race, who don't think the way you do, that you can get down to the bottom of what seems to be plaguing us in terms of race societally. You know, yes. you really, when there's a basis, there's a foundation of love mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're talking mm-hmm. not to a person of a different race necessarily. Um, uh, well, they may be of a different race, but you're talking to them as a friend first. Yes. And then it's incidental that they happen to be of a different race. Then there's sure. already a foundation of I love you. I care about you regardless of what's going on in the world and regardless yes. of what your racial background is. And that's the only way I think we can really hear each other, yeah. particularly in a really uh, racially and politically charged time that we're in. You know, if I come to the table with an assumption that Clint's a great person and I like Clint, then whatever gets said after that, we can discuss because the Mm -hmm. foundation's already in place, you know? Yes, yeah, right. Because if I come to the table and I already assume that this is not a person um, that I love, but a white person, you've got mm. this person like checked in a box, yeah. then you're not even talking to a human being. You're just talking at someone with ideas. Yeah. And yes. it's not that this person matters to you on a personal level. Mm. And that's, you know, that's anyway, long-winded way of saying, I think we need to be uh, around kitchen tables with one another and having dinner yes. together, yes. you know, uh, to really get to the bottom of, you know, a lot of what's going on in the country racially now. So there, there's also this discussion and I'd love to hear your um, thoughts on this of because this is such, I mean, it's extreme. The time that we're living in, it's extreme. And and so um, boundaries has become a big topic. Um, Where do you think that it's the healthiest to draw boundaries? So in other words, you are sitting down with this person that you've known for forever and you've just kind of always assumed that this person wasn't racist or you've just assumed that this person would not agree with someone who, you know, um, would be so divisive or so dishonest or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, they they agree. It's kind of like one of those like sixth sense movie right, moments right, where you're like, right. oh my God, he's you're dead. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like, it's what? like, I didn't, I didn't see that. That was, right. I'm like totally shocked here. Um, so then you need to stay into that conversation for a while, but when do you need to back out of that conversation? When is it like, okay, I need to drop, this is no longer giving me life. I need to draw a boundary here. Yeah, that's a tough one. And I don't know that I've been good at it because generally the people that I have surrounded myself with are people that I've been having uh, deep and full-throated conversations, not necessarily about race, but about life itself for many, Mm -hmm. many years. Mm -hmm. So when you've made that level of investment in someone, first of Mm -hmm. all, if you've made that level of investment, um, it's not so surprising. You've, you've, you, at some point in that 20 years or 10 years or whatever it is, you've Mm. gotten a sense that maybe they feel, you know, uh, a way that might be um, that might be offensive to you or others. You, yes. you, it's not yes. it's not a complete shock, even if yes. you've never like marched it out 
you know, onto the scaffold and like really stood there with yes. it, you know? So, so, but to get back to your question, I think that um, it's, it's, it's challenging for me because I'm unwilling when I have invested so much in the building of that friendship over so many years mm. to then just simply and quickly walk away because it's about more than just this one aspect of the person. I okay. love them for all of who they are. So, so for yeah. me, it becomes, we really need to talk about this. Like I, mm -hmm. and I want to talk in such a way that we really hear each other. Cause I think that's a lot of what's going on right now is people talking past each other. Yes. And you know, can we, you know, can we have a conversation where, you say everything you need to say and I literally close my lips and only listen to you without starting to think about how I'm going to respond and defend mm -hmm. myself or mm -hmm. make my point. Can I truly yeah. take that in? And then yeah. can you allow that for me? Now, if you're dealing with someone who just doesn't want to have that conversation, um, then that's another question. I don't tend to have those kinds of people in my circle. Who wouldn't, mm. who wouldn't be willing to have that kind of a meaningful discussion? You know? See, I see. You know? I think something that I'm learning, and and I don't know if this is a north and south thing or what, but like, I'm just gonna be candid with you. I Please. think at least in the south, it you just you we're realizing now more than ever. I think a lot of relationships we just they were built on not they weren't total fluff, but I mean. We had some experiences together, but we never really got into like things like you're oh, saying, like the full-throated yeah. conversations. And so right, right. I'm seeing a lot, whether it be with friends of mine that not even, doesn't even necessarily have anything to do with me, but then sometimes it has had to do with me or, or you know, people I love or my wife and people she knows or whatever, yeah. you know, you're sensing this like it's like this great unveiling that's happening because now we we have to and we just haven't for years everybody just sort of glosses over the the tough right, things right. we don't I really need to talk about I, it now that i understand because i call those tier two friends <laughs> meaning ah. that i have my sort of close circle i decided maybe maybe 10 years ago and this has really worked well for me that in my friendships i wanted to go deeper not wider I, didn't, mm -hmm. I wanted to really have, you know, five to seven relationships that I really pour into. These are the people that are walking through life with me that I'm intentionally staying in touch with. That yes. Those are my crew. Those are, yes. those are the people that I was previously talking That's about where I'm having these yeah. kinds of conversations. Tier yep. two people, as I call them, are mm -hmm. acquaintances, colleagues, others, people in my world that I haven't gone deep with. Yes. And I'll be really candid with you when I hear things. And mind you, I'm not in the South. I'm in New York City. So yes. uh, yeah. people, you know, obviously their opinions are run a little more liberal here and yeah, a little sure. more open than they do in maybe other parts of the country. So I don't confront it as much. Yes. But uh, what I will say is that when I bump into it, I tend to be a peacemaker. I'm non-confrontational by nature. Mm. So I do a lot of ignoring that, which is easier for me to do because I have my core group that I really <laughs> am connected yes. to. So the yeah. tier two people are interesting and great to have lunch with occasionally. But it doesn't <laughs> rock my world that they are not, you know, necessarily yes. feeling the way that I do or maybe. And by the way, I think we all, just by nature of the fact that we are born into this country, and I include uh, people of color in this, harbor some level of racism like that we mm. don't even know we have. So I assume that there's a level of racism. I guess it's a matter of the spectrum, right? Yes, How far onto right. the spectrum are, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, you know, I've dealt with that in myself, you yes. know? So it's, 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 it's uh, I'm less prone to, unless someone really goes off the rails to uh, 
to make someone wrong for expe- expressing what most people would call a racist idea. It's you know? it's almost it's almost like um, I'm I'm sensing a lot in the South, and again, I'm not pointing out anything specifically, right, but I'm right. sensing a lot in the South that there's a lot of people that they they are tier one relationships with tier two knowledge of each other. Does that make sense? So it's like people that they, it's sort of like, this is, this is like what we just figured we'd always like go through life together. And there's been this sort of this great divide now because of this, because there's a lot of people that are going, wait a second, this is a bridge too far, man. I am not, no, like I got to back out. I am, there's no way I am going down that road. That is insane. And there's other people that are like going, what's wrong? Like, you know, and and you're like, wait a second. I I think that that kind of a shakeup, though painful, can be useful. Uh-huh. Because you, it becomes real, real clear, yeah. <laughs> you know, who yeah. you really, who you're really dealing with, what they're about, you know, yeah. whether you yeah. want certain ones closer in on your life or farther away. It's okay to have people mm-hmm. at a distance. Not everyone mm-hmm. is meant to be, you know, you know, one of that core group of people. And, in your and, circle, and that distance know? might give us some space to work on stuff. Honestly, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, everybody, Man Unmade was created to amplify women's voices. And early on, we decided that beyond each interview, we also wanted to highlight women in business and music. So in each episode, we'll take time out to turn you on to a new business you've maybe never heard of and a singer-songwriter whose music we think you should try out. The music will come at the end of each podcast, so make sure you keep listening after we've wrapped the interview. If you're listening now and you happen to own or work for or have a friend with a business, or if you know of an artist or you are one, shoot us an email to contact at manunmadepodcast.com. But the spotlight on women's businesses is right now. This week, our spotlight on women in business is shining on Nora Hidalgo. Uh, Lisa, go. Do your thing. Awesome. Nora Hidalgo is hand-sewn size-inclusive apparel and lingerie by Nora Hidalgo. So the sizes are between small and 3X, which is awesome. Um, She is a small, sustainable, slow fashion brand in a one-woman-run shop. Okay, one second. Uh, Slow fashion. Slow fashion. Okay, what about it? What is it? I don't know. Oh, okay. So slow, I get what you're saying. So slow fashion, it means like it's more sustainable. There's this term called fast fashion that clothing is just like one and done. You wear it for like a season. uh, It's just trendy and then you throw it away and it's horrible for the environment, bad on the workers. So I think that Nora is... Um, trying to have a slow fashion brand, meaning it's more sustainable. I mean, she creates each piece, each piece. She sews it herself. So that's wow. really cool about her store for sure. Yeah. Very cool. I love that, by the way. Obviously, we love, you know, reclaimed and sustainable yeah, exactly. and, and whatever. So I'm all about it. That's awesome. Go ahead. Um, let's see. So every order place keeps her dream of creating size inclusive gender fluid clothing alive. And she's online at norahidalgo.com and on Instagram at nora.hidalgo. And I'll spell that for everyone. It's N-O-R-A dot H-I-D-A-L-G-O. Amazing. Or norahidalgo.com, N-O-R-A-H-I-D-A-L-G-O.com. Perfect, yes. Um, I love this. I think that's amazing. How cool. Yeah, she's super talented. She's like... Not only like she's like an artist. Her stuff is amazing, um, mm-hmm. and she, her uh, Instagram account is super like plotted out by color. So like it starts out in green, goes into yellow, goes into red. She mm-hmm. is um, she's super cool. Um, if I could just be one, what is the word? Like one inch as cool as she is, 
I don't know how to say that, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. Well, it is. It's really cool. I'm on the website right now, and um, it, it's like very. Um, it's almost like I, I'm I'm horrible at fashion descriptors. Okay, but I'm gonna say like like old world or something. You know, like like those ruffles and and everything, like the puffy. It's like it almost feels like a like you would wear it like in a um, a period piece movie or something. Yeah, like that. some of her stuff is totally like that. Totally, I see it. She uses a lot. She uses lots of silk. And then she also does like more of like uh, I feel like punk. If you the more you go through it, oh look. punk, that's cool. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm probably Nora. I'm sorry for like terrible at describing your store, but it's awesome. <laughs> Everyone should check it out. And um, she she really is an artist. That's how I would describe her. Amazing. I love it. That is uh, really. I mean, look at even on the website it says, "Please allow seven to fourteen days to finish your order, as every item is lovingly handmade." By Nora Joy Hidalgo. Good grief. That's intense. Yeah. She's that's, awesome. That's a lot of sewing. Wow. Nora, I am so very impressed. Keep it up. Wow. Go check her out. Um, that's amazing. If there's a book you really want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. Toni Morrison. Um, okay. I could go on and on about that, but I, I want to get yeah. into the writing stuff um, because it's so important. You are just an incredible writer. Thank you. Um, well, it's, you're welcome, but it's also just true. Uh, it is, you know, I mean, you really and truly are just an incredible um, writer. Um, you started out uh, freelancing. I did. Correct? Well, and, I, but, I started out actually in the world of magazines and then I yes. transitioned to freelance. Yes. Oh, that's okay. Right. That, yes, that's that's right. right. And, um, but you were selling shoes you were yes, a shoe at salesman. Some point, yes, I was selling <laughs> shoes, trying to wait, make my my way to the Radcliffe Publishing Course, which is now the Columbia Publishing Course. Okay. 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 <laughs> and and then you was was the Oprah magazine the first gig, or was that a little bit no, farther so down I the line? For a couple of small magazines, one was called okay. Single Parent Family Magazine. It no longer okay. exists, but mm -hmm. I was on the launch team. There were really two uh -huh. editors, so I was one of two editors working on this thirty-two page magazine. Uh, moved around. This was in Colorado you know, back okay. in the 90s and mm -hmm. moved around and worked at some other small magazines in that region, all in Colorado. Yes. And then decided that with the a tip from a friend uh, that I should pursue the Columbia Publishing course. And I already at the time was feeling sort of that itch that you start to feel when you when you just know it's time to move on. Mm. Like I had worked at these magazines and it was a great place to start and Colorado Springs was yes. an amazing city to to begin in, you know, sure. a small place allowed me to like adult do some adulting early on mm -hmm. yeah. and just set my life up. But then I started to feel this itch that there was a bigger pond I was supposed to be swimming in. So yeah. when she mentioned the Columbia Publishing course, uh, this summer course, and I knew that that course uh 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 could lead to a career in uh, book publishing, sort of an mm -hmm. entree to the world of book publishing in New York mm -hmm. City. I got excited and I also took a look at my checking account and realized I didn't have the money for it. <laughs> it was $5,000, <laughs> which was probably a third of my entire, Oof. well, I think I was probably making eighteen dollars to $20,000 at the point at that point. So yeah. you tell me $5,000 when I'm making eighteen dollars for an entire yeah. year, yeah. that's like, Rent no, that's and not bills happening, and, okay? Yeah, right, you don't make right. a lot when you're early days of journalism. So Right, right. So anyway, uh, I took this job at, at night selling shoes 
uh, at Sears. It was over like a holiday season. You know how they they uh, they hire yes. extra help sometimes. Yeah, yeah, too? yeah, sure. So I took this job with the idea of I'm going to raise some of this capital that I need okay. to go to the course. And I'm really grateful that I had a supervisor at the time who. Uh, his name was Jim Dahlman. He he had lived previously and worked previously in New York and then mm -hmm. come to a, the smaller market of Colorado Springs. And he was all in. I was honest with him. I just said, I want to, he knew that he would probably lose me as an employee. But I told yeah. him, listen, I'm trying to get the money together to go to this course. Sure. And he not only allowed me to uh, to go to the course, but then he also get, arranged so that I could work extra mm -hmm. at that job, at, at his job. Uh, so that I could build up enough time to be gone almost an entire summer. So yes. that was really generous. I think it's important not to forget when you look back at the different stepping stones of your life mm -hmm. and career, all of the people that have just invested in you. So yes. thank you, Jim, if you're listening. Okay. <laughs> and so anyway, I was off. I got into the course. I went to the course for that summer. And then from that course, I got my first job in New York City Publishing, and it was at Essence Magazine. Oh, yeah. So I started in the lifestyle department at Essence Magazine. And then okay. later, after moving up, getting a couple of promotions at Essence, I moved on to the Oprah magazine and I was on the launch team of the Oprah magazine. So Yes. Yes. Which I mean, what? It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> I mean, what's not amazing about that? How did okay. you get it? I mean, a who lot did of you sleepless meet? nights, but amazing. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who, who did you meet? Who did you talk to? How did that yes. even Yes. So I was long story short, I was uh, I happened to read in the newspaper that Hearst was launching a magazine. They didn't say yes. what, but I, 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 somehow I had figured out that it was going to be the Oprah magazine. I can't remember how I put those pieces of the puzzle together. Okay. So I got in touch with um, the person who uh, I'd met previously who was working in the HR department at Hearst and said, if this is the Oprah magazine, you have to get me in. And within yeah. two weeks of that, I was sitting in the Four Seasons having a Cosmo with Oprah Winfrey. So Shut I mean, up. it happened really fast and really wonderfully. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and that's just like, I mean, you know, you're entering into a, an energy field. That's right. Yeah. When you're in the same room yeah. with she's Oprah, such a right? Master, she's such a master interviewer. I look back now at that conversation and mm -hmm. it didn't at all feel like I was being interviewed. She's so great about putting her guests and in this case me at ease. It mm -hmm. just felt like two girls having a Cosmo, you know? Which and, you were. Um, I mean, we, yeah. We were, except I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she was cool. I was not. There may or may not have been some 80 shoulders pad involved. Okay. <laughs> so I was like dressed wrong. It was just, it was a mess okay okay hopefully you like, didn't like try and pull off any jokes where it's like you know I, yeah, and you I get a cosmo like, and you, you get, get a, a cosmo. cosmo i think that was pre-car giveaway but still okay, good. okay okay um but anyway she you know i you know i'm grateful she saw something in me she hired me or mm -hmm. the team you know she gave her go ahead and the team hired me and yeah. I stayed at the magazine full time on staff, I think two or three years at the beginning. And okay. then I transitioned, still working at the Oprah magazine, but as a freelancer doing okay. some of the sections of the magazine, but then also building a career okay. of my own. And then many years later, I transitioned into collaborative writing. So that's the that's the short version. <laughs> okay. would, would you say, I mean, clearly she influenced how you listen to people, how you interview oh, 100%, people. 100%. I, I really felt as if over the years that I traveled with her, because I oversaw a section of the magazine called the O Interview, where okay. Oprah would turn up and interview the Dalai Lama or Julia Roberts, or I mean, just yeah. I had these Good wonderful grief, yeah. 
experiences all around the country and world. And, mm-hmm. and the best experience of all was that watching her do what she does so well became sort of a master class for me and mm. how to interview others. I didn't know yes. that I was being prepared to do what I do now full <laughs> time, which is sit with people and help them put their story on paper. So it and, and really can, was an incredible internship that I didn't even know that I was participating in. You know? Yes. You were, <laughs> you know? I mean, totally. Which is, that is like such a, a life thing. I think totally. it was a, it, the major inflection no, point for me. Yes. Yes, and you have no idea what this thing is preparing you for next. You just yeah. you, and I you sort don't of think know. We all don't know. I mean, I think that's, that's right. the wisdom of that moment. I think yep. now, like, what is it that you know feels a little wacky, a little unsettling about the time mm-hmm. we're in now, but that yes. is preparing us for whatever the next chapter is going to be? You know, hundred yeah. percent. Well, I got to say, you are masterful at listening. Um, I know that I had, you know, three different um, options to go with for co-authors. And one was like a mid-50s dude, you know, uh, silver fox guy. No, I'm sure nice guy. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. but, the, you know, this was, you know, cool glasses, silver fox, um, mid-50s guy. And then I had a young dude who was like a few years younger than me, um, liked woodwork, you know, kind of all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Michelle. You know, uh, and and a, a black woman in New York yes, City. You know, right. and 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 so I talked to the younger guy. I I kind of knew. I was like, no, I'm not feeling the vibe of the older guy. I'm sure he's really nice, but I don't think that's. The, I don't know. I just I don't. I know I don't even need to interview with him. Then the younger guy, I was like, okay, let's talk with him. Super nice guy, whatever. But I talked with you, and. Uh, immediately. I, I felt it too. You know, I felt I, it too because I, I interview for a lot of books and okay. sometimes I turn books down. Um, mm. I'm happy to be at a place where I can, okay? Yeah, sometimes sure. I turn books down because I'm looking for that sort of light bulb moment of, mm. of a sense of connection, you know, mm-hmm. that I really believe transcends race and gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, is there going, are we going to be simpatico? Are we on the same energy field here? You know, it's a vibe. Yes. It's a vibe. Yes. That's, just like, that's how someone would describe it. Like she and I had a vibe or he and I had a vibe. That's the way you would expri- ex- explain it. So yes. yeah, I just felt that. And so why I sometimes select books and why I turn others down is mm-hmm. if that vibe is absent, I know that I'm, even if the person likes me, I'm not going to be able to be of service to them in the same yeah. way that I would when I'm coming in and I'm excited. This is yes. this is my person. I like this person, you know? Yes. So it's as yeah. simple as that. It's a, you know, people ask me all the time, how do you choose your books? And my litmus test simply is, do I get the goosebumps? Do you know, <laughs> do I like the person? You know, it's easy as and and I believe that as I said, I believe that that transcends race. Yes. Know, which is yeah. one of the challenges as a collaborative writer for me of uh having others in my industry and it's happening, you know, slowly. Um having others see me as a potential collaborator for people of all of all backgrounds. I yeah, absolutely can talk about love, that a little bit. Yeah, because absolutely. It's a divine thing to be a black woman. I enjoy it. I love, you yes, know, it's, sure. it's who I am. And, yes. I, and I love bringing those voices to the page. I mm. also love bringing voices to the page of people who don't look like me. So just mm-hmm. allowing um, or encouraging those in my business to, to take a wider lens on what's possible. And, yes. even, you know, I, you know, uh, Molly Glick, who was your agent, that she yeah. even had the vision to put me up for yes. the interview. Because if I'm not in the room, then we can't have the vibe. <laughs> you yes. Know? So yeah. that, you know, so um, but I would say I would say. Uh, you know, one conversation, one agent, one editor at a time, it is changing. I do get calls for books of people that, and I, I consider that every time it happens a bit of a win. 
Um, because you, you and I have talked about this and, and so I'll let you ex expound on it, but um, you, you know, we were saying before, uh, actually when I called you about this podcast and we started talking, it was like, I wish I had recorded that conversation because oh, it was yeah. just like this, an amazing yeah, conversation. We, terrific, <laughs> we were, and, and uh, uh, but you got into that about how um, you don't want to be pigeonholed um, where it's like, oh, an important black woman's going to write a book called Michelle. And, well, so and, I'm careful and, and, how I characterize that because I yes. love writing books for black women. Of know? course, and, yes. Um, I don't consider, you know, I don't consider writing for, for black women to be, you know, uh, something that's in some way less than writing for no. someone else. And actually, no. I do have a shorthand with other black women. I'm a black woman. I glory in that experience. Yes. You know, I love the culture. And so there is a shorthand. So it makes sense. It yes. makes sense, even from the uh, standpoint of the agent or the editor, to yes. think of me for those kinds of books. I just also want them to think of me more exactly. broadly and not yes. assume that because I don't have the same cultural background as yes. the person that I, that we won't still have, you know, a um, uh, we won't we still won't be able to have a great collaboration and alliance based on yes, you know, because what makes a, a book great, what makes a memoir memoir great is truth. And yes. what makes my ability to excavate that truth mm -hmm. um, strong is my sense of a vibe with the person. So, yes. See, that doesn't have anything to do with race. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that's exactly, I, I just love that. It was like, because you were clearly saying, look, I, I want to write every book possible if 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 there are you know black women who want to write a book and, I, I, and I've got the vibe with them, I want to do it. That's great. Awesome. Let's go. But also, if there's a white guy, if there's a white lady, if there's a black man, it's a, yeah. you know a young person, or, an or, old person, it doesn't or, or Asian or from Asian a different country or yes. like the way I define diversity is beyond race. Even yes, you know, there's someone with a completely and some of that has to do has to do also with just my uh, you know it's in my DNA. I am curious by nature, and so I yeah. like peeking over the fence into a world <laughs> I don't know as much about. I want right. to always be learning. And so yes. Um, yes. I love and have a shorthand with other black women. I also like to expand my, you know, uh, knowing <laughs> beyond the yes. limits of not limits. I don't again, I don't see it as a limit, I, just beyond no. my awareness, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know, it's funny because I, I, I understand this maybe in like in a different way. Yes. Um, so a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, are you in the shop building furniture? <laughs> no, I'm not today. Um, because when I set out to go on my journey, um, and this is why we were going to call the book Journeyman, uh, if you remember in the beginning. That's right. Um, uh, but the when I set out and jumped into my garage and started building furniture, um, and my wife and I decided, hey, we're going to go for this business, it wasn't because I wanted to literally be in a garage building That's furniture right. for the rest of That's my right. life. That's that was right. not it. I, I, that was, I definitely want to build furniture. I love building furniture. Like you said, you have a shorthand with, you know, black women, you know, and, and yes. so I kind of have like a vibe with building furniture. It's something that is like in me. I love it and all that. But there were other things that I wanted to do. And and for me, setting out on that journey, the furniture was just that was the the boat that I was getting in to yeah, take off on this way. journey. Exactly. Yes, exactly. absolutely. But then, like wherever it was going to take me, I wanted it to take me there. 
And, exactly. and so it's led to public speaking. It's led, which I love, it's led to, um, you know, television shows. Obviously, I had it's no idea. an amazing podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> thank you We're very, very in much. We're sitting what it led to. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Well, thank you. I and and uh, yeah. I mean, it's led to this podcast. It's, I mean, it's insane. And you know, and of course, I'm I'm getting a, uh, a chance to do the show on the Magnolia Network and all that fun stuff. And and I just love it. And I don't know where it's going to go. I just want to be open to it. And I love right. that about right. your personality. Right. It's like right. you you want people to. Um, to call you to write their book because you love writing books. You love the journey. It's not because of who you are. It's because this is just what, I mean, and you are so damn good at it. You are really good at it. I, I'll never forget um, sitting down in the office here in Waco. You came out here and you just said, look, you know, I, I can do it over the phone, but I love to do this in person if possible. But I just want you to just just dump all of your story out. That's I'm right. going to record That's it right. and we're just going to go to town. And I mean, I sat there, we eight, nine, ten hours. Yeah, I don't know what it was all yeah, day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Lisa's looking at her mic's know, gone, like, but, but she's, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that would be death for her. Um, <laughs> but, but for, but for you, um, that is like life. That's you like love. I yes, I and that. you're so yes. good at yeah. it. Well, so that's, I actually, I, uh, the writing is wonderful, even though at times challenging. I mm -hmm. live for the interviewing. I love, mm. I really love being in these, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about wanting to surround myself pe with people that I can go uh, deeper rather than wider with. I love yes. a substance, I'm not a small talk kind of girl. You know, no. I love a substantive <laughs> kind of conversation, right? Yeah, Um. Yeah. So... Yes, my job actually allows me to do what I do naturally in life anyway, which mm -hmm. is, you know, sit and really delve into. It gives me access to, you know, when you when I sit down and I'm going to tell someone's life story, they are immediately more open than they would be if we were just sitting, having coffee, getting to know each other in some other context, you know? Yes, So yes. I, that's part of what I, lights me up about the work is I yeah. get to be in meaningful, impactful conversations with people. And I yes. I have aha moments while I'm listening to others. Sure. All the time sure. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. You know? Yes. Uh -huh. uh, um, okay, so I got to ask you this then, because yes. you get the unfiltered version. I do. I mean, you get the dirt. That's what I <laughs> it's want. like I almost, I almost like don't want to say that because it's like if anybody ever raids your treasure trove of information, we're all in trouble it's all because safe. I'm, a, I'm a vault over here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, but no, I mean, really and truly, you—that's that's part of the beauty—is you sit down and you get the unfiltered, raw version, and because you are who you are it was just so easy for me to trust you. And one of the things about my personality is I'm not very trusting right away. I, mm -hmm. I kind of, I've just been burned enough to where I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. And there's certain markers that I look for and and it's, it's they're all like feelings really. They're, right, it's, right, you know what I mean? Right, they're all, they're all feelings. And I mean, I, you were just ticking off boxes from our first FaceTime call, you know, uh, when I interviewed with you and whether or not we were gonna, you know, write together. And so uh, when I sat down with you, it was just so easy for me to then just tell you things I've only told, you know, my wife, you know, I mean, right. like, because right. you wanted the whole yeah. story. Yeah. And, well, the, raw, and, the raw, by the way, is what makes uh, it so resonant for the readers, ultimately. 
That's what yes. I always tell those that I work with is give it to me raw. We may or may not put all of it in, but yes. we're going to put enough truth in to render it universal and touch those uh-huh. who are reading it on the page, we hope. you know. So I, I want to know how much, when you read a book or when you have, when you're done writing a book, do you ever like talk to someone and go, oh, <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> you know, because based on that? what you, based on like what you put in the book and what you left out. Like oh, how, oh. how much of it is it, are you ever sitting there going, I mean, this is the half of it. I, we, we weren't allowed, we can't put in all of the stuff that oh, we really wanted to put. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I always feel like when I get done with the interviewing, even sometimes while I'm in the midst of it, like mm-hmm. I have enough material for like three books. Yeah. So sometimes I'm really heartbroken <laughs> about the things that don't get to make it in yes. because maybe they don't quite fit the theme or whatever it uh-huh. is. Uh-huh. Um, and I also will say that I'm not one of those collaborators who believes that everything should be in a book. I do think that what's mm. in the book should be real and it should mm-hmm. be as raw as it can be. Mm-hmm. But that there are some things that, you know, people have mothers, people have family members, people have relationships. Yes. And some things are meant to be completely personal. Yes, and you so just have, yeah. I'm always weighing. And I, I come to the collaborative writing relationship first as a human being with a heart. Right, And right. secondarily as a journalist. So I really feel sometimes for my clients when they are struggling with how will this feel once my mother reads it. Everybody has a mother. That's hard. Yeah. You know, even if even if you don't have a great relationship with your mother, there's still yes. that umbil- umbilical um, umbilical cord connection, sure. you know, and care sure. about not wanting to hurt this person or others around her. And yes. so, yeah, I think I'm part writer, but I'm also part guide and yeah. um, just wanting to be a shoulder to lean on sometimes for my client. Um, client feels you like are all cold those things for me because my clients really are my friends. Like I only yes. pick people I want to work with, and that's why I'm able to be have friendships with them. After is because yes. it, it started out on a, a, a authentic commonality and feeling. Yes, <laughs> you know, I I will literally just text you about anything if I need to or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Does does Simone Biles just drop you a text every once in a while? <laughs> It's been a long time, probably. Yeah. I think she's had a couple things to do, okay? Yeah. That's the other thing is I'm very clear, you know, that yeah. um, the door is open, but I'm very clear that I write for no, incredibly sure. busy people who, yes. you know, they have lives. And that's one of the reasons they have had, like you, a great story to tell is because they're busy living these big lives. Doing and so it. Yeah. the door is yeah. always open, but sometimes, you know, you can go go a little uh, uh, long period of time before between texts or updates, you know. But there's just a sense, like if I saw Simone tomorrow, it would be like we pick up where we left. You know, 100%. like it is with you. Like we just, yep. you know, and that's part of it. You want to feel that even in friendships. Like, yes. you know, you ever been in a friendship where someone's blaming the other or making them wrong that, well, we don't talk enough. And it's like, you yes. know what? Let's just be a little looser. Let's just enjoy each other when we do connect and yes. not make each other wrong in between, you know, between yes. our conversations. 100%. You know? Yeah. Um, you wrote the book um, for the Dallas police chief. Um, yes. who was involved uh, in uh, the, what was that, 2017? Yeah, uh, uh, David Brown, Chief David Brown, who, by the yep. way, now is uh, head of the Chica- Chicago Police Department. He's gone no on. No kidding. He came out oh, of wow. retirement. So he's, he's got a couple things going on right now. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so the, the, the thing about that is, okay, there were um, officers who were, you know, shot dead. That's right, that's um, right. And and it was just a horrible scene. He ended up um, taking care of things with like a a robot, yeah, a robot or whatever. Yes, a, a, a robot that was really an explosive. Yes. You know? yes, yes. Okay, so here's what I love. This police chief, 
I mean, we're talking, can you get any more masculine? Right. <laughs> um, a sniper is taking out armed policemen and police women trying or and and trying to take out more. And and this police chief has this idea, let's get a robot that's an explosive and let's detonate that SOB. You know, I mean like yes, here we go. Yes, We're going to okay. Yes. So let's call Michelle and have her write a book about it. <laughs> And you know, that's what, that's going back to what we were talking about earlier. That's what I love. Yes. Being able to, he happens to be African-American. So that's why I say diversity for me is not just about race. Whatever. It's about, for instance, expanding my view. Like I now know way more than I ordinarily would about the inside (laughs) workings of a police department because I was able to peek over into the wall of like, what's it really like? to yeah. work as a cop and then move, he moved his way up the ranks and became chief of police. But all mm-hmm. of the many stories that I heard, it really humanized. Yes. I don't see police even the way that I once did because, and it goes back wow. to what I was saying earlier, it's very easy for us to throw rocks you know, at one another racially, but that becomes a lot harder when you know someone, yes. when you love someone, then mm-hmm. it becomes, it's not they, you know, mm-hmm. capital T, they, it's like, yeah. no, this is my friend. This yeah. is somebody who's actually on the front lines, who's dealing with, you know, a lot of, you know, of the um, pushback against cops right now. So I, it, often, right. it it doesn't mean that there hasn't been, you know, obviously there's issues with over-policing of, of brown people, all of that. But it just sure. has humanized it for me in a way that I'm able to think through, you know, yeah. what, what might uh, someone who's actually with that blue suit on be confronting, yeah. you know, yes. you know. Well, I just, that's the energy that you carry and I love so much because it's like, could you think of anything more masculine and a story even that is like, you know, you might as well just go get G.I. Joe to write the book with you because this is like guns and blood and the whole thing. And it's like, let's call Michelle. And then like, you know, this carpenter, can you think again? It's like, oh, carpenter, wood and sweat and, you know, and like, let's go build stuff and everything. And it's like, all right, great. Where's Michelle? Let's write it. (laughs) That's who we need to write with. And then you have Cicely Tyson, who's, you know, 96 years old. You know, and that's what I wanted is, to. Yes. yes. Okay. You know, also, so again, it, it, another example. Yes, a black woman, but the learning for me there is how to write for an elder, how to how to step mm. into the voice of someone who's nearly a century old. That's a challenge. Yes. That's something new. There's something to be learned beyond yes. race. You know, there yes. for me. You know what I mean? Because she's reaching back into time yeah, that you man, have. She, you know, yeah. That, she was born in 1923. 1924, Oof. I think I have that. <laughs> She's 96 now in 2021. Okay. So yeah. I think 2020. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not good at math, okay? <laughs> I'm good <laughs> at okay. writing, okay? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but what a challenge, what a joy to be able to just sit at her feet and hear the story of what it was even yeah. like, for instance, to be a New Yorker in the 1920s and 30s and all that yes. I learned and the wisdom that she passed on. Yes. And it's all in the pages of the forthcoming Just As I Am, which is on sale January 26th next week. And yes, yeah, so, and that is important. We're, this will be heard after the fact. That's right. Um, uh, so, but it'll have, still be on sale, I'm sure. But <laughs> it'll still be on sale then. Yes. Uh, and, I'm, and it will already be on the New York Times bestsellers list, I'm sure. So. <laughs> oh, I know it will. Um, and so that is your latest work that you've just completed, I think. That's right. Is that, that's right. Is that, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's my, correct. That's my latest, yes. Yeah, and, and so, um, which I just, I think is like so insanely awesome that you wrote for her Cicely Tyson, Alicia Alicia Keys, and Clint Harp. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. That's the kind of, that's the kind the of variety. The honor's mine. The that's honor's the kind mine. Of variety that I love. <laughs>
you know, and that's well, why I say, I, you know, I'm really proud of my industry because in book publishing, people have heard me and they've given me the opportunity to, exp to expand and really have the variety on my CV that I'm, I'm seeking, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I know you're not going to tell me because this is the, this is the thing with Michelle. She is a lockbox. I mean, lock it, <laughs> yeah. you are. It's like you. It is not coming out if you don't want to say it. Um, but you can at least tell me. Um, is there another project in the works? Yes, I definitely right have another project. And, and there's your alarm. I know we no, got to go okay. here. No, um, yeah, I definitely yeah. have a, a couple of projects. And okay. stay tuned is what I'll say about that. Stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I I will definitely be staying tuned because um, you just it just keeps getting better and better with you. Um, now we, it's one fifty-five. I know you, okay. you, you no, got to go. A couple more minutes. I can go a couple okay. more minutes here if you want to uh, ask them. I, I, I got to ask this before we get off. Alicia Keys. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm in love. I'm, I was smitten from day one. I mean, how can you not be? She's just a sweetheart. Complete sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. What was real, that like? Did you, did, did you go out to LA and sit down with her? No, uh, early or, on I went out, she was working at that time on the voice a bit, uh -huh, you know, the uh -huh. show. And mm -hmm. so I went to just get a feel for her world there mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. set and went behind the scenes, was in the green room, interviewed mm -hmm. her, had long conversations. Um, you're talking about a person with real depth, you know, this, she's like me, she's not a surface kind of girl, you know? Mm, so no, we have these, yeah. you know, um, two o'clock in the morning, amazing conversations <laughs> about all aspects of life. So I just, yeah. was such, I feel fortunate as I do with you, with all of my collaborators, really, to have just been sure. able to, to spend that time. Because when you think about it, this is not just my job, it's my life. Because how yeah. you spend your working hours is essentially how you spend the lion's share of your life. And that's yes. why I'm so careful who I align myself with and what conversations yeah. I want to be in because this is my life, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yep, yep, yes. yep, absolutely. Well, I, I'm, I'm reading it and... Um, it's amazing. And because I know you so well, that is right. also, you know, I, I get that kind of like added bonus. I've spent so much time with you and, and whatnot. Um, but like, I started reading Alicia's book and it was like, oh yeah, there's, there's Michelle's voice. Yeah. I can well, hear I hope it. you hear her voice, not mine, but there's always, I find there's always just a little bit of combination of the two, you know, yeah, I'm no, always no. seeking to get the, the the person's voice as pure as possible. Oh, there's just hundred percent. If someone knows that I have been a writer on the book, they can they can hear and see a, like a shadow of me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. it's like I can I can sense I can sense yeah. Michelle. I yeah. your influence yeah. is on this book, and I love it. And I mean, right away, man, you get into it, and she's looking out the window of the backseat of the car, you know, whatever, as she's driving along that's in right. New York that's City. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. And, and I mean, it's, it just immediately, this picture starts like developing and you're like, wow, it, it's yeah. like the, 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 um, the camera photo paper, whatever in the tub with the water and you're shaking right. it and, and the right. red, That's you know, right. That's right. and the, the colors start yeah, coming out and you're like, right. and you're yeah, like, wow, really quickly. I got, I got this. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yes. it's, it is quite amazing. Um, so I got to tell people. Um, Alicia Keys, more myself. You got to go yes, and get please, that book, please. And and Do then yourself a favor. Yes, yes it is so Alicia good. Keys is, 
She's a rock star. Literally oh, everything. Literally, singing. yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> Did she ever sing for you? Were you ever like in a situation no, where she was like see. singing somewhere? Oh, Not like, you know, privately she... over the phone. Oh, but... I know what was happening. She was at that time, you might remember this, last thing I'll say, um, she was preparing to host the Grammys and she was going to play okay. the double piano as she yes. did the first time. She So I remember <sighs> we were in one yeah. conversation where she just blew me away, but we were, you know, on the road, uh, uh, you know, doing our conversation and she had yeah. a piano in the hotel room with her and she was practicing this. So it was uh-uh. particularly fun for me to be able to, uh. to then see her do that before the entire world, you know? Yes. Yeah, so. And that was, I mean, badass performance. Yeah. The, oh, man. I mean, oh, man. just the visual of it, her two pianos left and right, yeah. just facing the odd. Oh my God. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and um, uh, Cicely Tyson, just as I am, uh, as coming I am. out. It'll, it'll. By the time you hear this, it'll been it out for be a out. couple. That's right. So go and get it. Um, I know it's amazing, and I haven't even read it. No one has, but I guarantee you, it'll be amazing because it's Michelle, a long one, you over four hundred pages. So get, get hey, ready. That's get all right. A cup get, of coffee. Get by the fireplace. <laughs> okay. Settle in. Yes. It's it's worth it. Oh man, four hundred pages of Michelle is a is a good day. Uh, I can tell you that. Four hundred pages of right Miss Tyson. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> let's just be clear. Okay. You're so good. Yeah. I'm always so I'm like, pointing you out, and you're like, no, like, no, 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 no. I I am a collaborative writer. My you are. Is the I know. Okay. Yes, I okay. know. But oh, I just love you so much, and that's that's why you're just so stinking awesome. Um. Well, thank you so much. I know you got to go. Absolutely. Thank you for giving Absolutely. me uh, for your chance. time. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, this podcast is quite honestly not happening uh, if it if it weren't for you. You really and truly uh, inspired me. Um, you uh, before I even talked to you about it, and then once I talked to you about it, um, you helped form the framework of it. You helped give me ideas of where to go with it. Um, you even tugged at my own heartstrings. I love it when you you said, hey, you know, question, what is this podcast going to be about? Is it going to be a Seinfeld podcast, a podcast about nothing? And that's fine if it is. And I was yeah. like, oh, see, you know my love language. Yeah. I know, there you go, define it, okay? Yeah, and you helped me define it. And, uh, and I just cannot tell you how grateful I am for that. Um, you were just the literally the first person I phoned. I called um, uh, outside of uh, Kelly and, and and Lisa, and uh, I and I'm sure you will be uh, the person I call again in the future about Please some do. other idea that Please I'm do. having. Please do. Please do. And hopefully we're writing again together. Yeah, yeah. Let's. That's yeah. Yeah. There you go. Follow up let's, conversation after the podcast. <laughs> okay. let, that's right. Let's do it, Michelle Burford. I mean, one and only. Whew. Creative deep, thoughtful, wise. She can write a book. She can tell a story. Oh man, I I just love Michelle. Um, Such a fun person to sit and talk to. Honestly, I feel so, Lisa, like seriously, I feel like one of the lucky ones because I was able to sit down and like share my story with her and just like spill my guts I mean, talk about great therapy. Yeah, oh. she has such great advice, especially in this uh, interview. She talks about friendship and the type of tiered friends that you should have and what boundaries you should set and how much time you should sprint, mm-hmm. spend with those different tiered friends, which I just like was taking notes on that because that's such great advice um, mm. in our lives. Yeah, she's yeah, she's got a lot of it. She is 
she's just great. And that I think that's what happens too when you have a life like hers where you've you've traveled, you've studied, you've worked with different people and you know in all these different arenas and she's just talked with so many different folks. She's just she's a learner. She's constantly learning. Um and and then it just pours out of everything that she says. I'm such a huge fan. Uh we love you, Michelle. This week's music, it's fun. Carlay. Yes. I say Carlay. I, I say yeah. Carlay too. It's you can find her on Instagram. It's at Carlay Reem Neal. C A R L A Y R E A M N E A L. Um, but that's how I pronounce yeah. it as well. Carlay, yeah. She it's really good. The song is Blue Summer. Um, you you called it dreamy? Is that dreamy dream, pop? Dream pop, indie pop. Dream pop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's great. You're going to laugh at me because I feel like this makes me old, but I think about that song from The Great Gatsby. What was the artist's name? Lana Del Rey. Yes. To me, this has a little bit of that vibe. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Um, that is a I, okay, huge you. compliment for Carly. What a great I mean songwriter, Lana Del Rey. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, totally. Um, this song is so great. Uh, turn it on, go drive somewhere. I always, I, I bring that up every time, like driving music, because I, I just love to have music on in the car. That's that's me. Um, Blue Summer, go check it out. She's really, and, and you can only, you can access the song through her Instagram, yeah, right? She like can. That's, and, that was the best way yeah, to do it. Yeah, and then you can also find her on Spotify and Apple Music. She also has another single out called London, L-N-D-N. Yes, it's so good. Yeah. I love London. That's a great song too. Oh my gosh, it's all, it's all really, really good. All right. That is all we have for you today. Man Unmade is produced, organized, researched, and generally held together by Lisa Collins. Audio production and original music by Jackson Palomino. I'm your host, Clint Harp. Thanks for joining us on Man Unmade. Let's listen to some music. Bye, friends. We're not
Super.